Harvey Hernandez, what do you want the world to know about you? How do you want to be remembered? What do you want your biggest impact to be when it's all said and done? Uh, listen, I, I just want to do my thing and, and I just want to innovate, right? I want to innovate for the benefit of, of all of us, right? And uh, at the end of the day, I just want to... Innovation is what makes me happy. Um, I want my family, my kids, right, to learn from that and and, and understand that innovation is, is crucial for their lives, for everybody's life. From the Cervera Newsroom in sunny Miami, welcome to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. I'm your host, Omar DeWint. Let's get started. So here we go. We're kicking off the new year with a new series, Introducing on the Record for the Miami Real Estate Podcast. We're going to be telling the stories of the individuals whose vision, entrepreneurial spirit, and sheer determination are reimagining what it means to live in this beautiful city. Today, we are going on the record with Harvey Hernandez, a visionary real estate developer, innovator, and urban placemaker who has been challenging the status quo in the South Florida market for more than two decades. As CEO and founder of NewGuard Development, Harvey has had an uncanny ability to observe the city's tremendous capacity for change and progress. What do I mean by that? Well, short laundry list. He was the first developer to launch a major project post the 2008 financial crisis. First to include automated parking in a building, only to follow that up by being the first to design and deliver a building without one single parking spot. That's ironic, right? <laughs> but he did it. Uh, he's also the brainchild of Nativo, the first property designed, licensed, and built for home sharing. And his latest project, Lofty Brickle, is taking luxury home sharing to the waterfront. In just six months, it's already 50% sold before the doors to its sales lounge actually opens officially later this month. So um, he's got his finger on the pulse and we are excited to hear his story from his native Venezuela to sunny Miami. It is a story of rags to riches and the relentless pursuit of innovation. It is a Miami story. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Harvey Hernandez on the record. Enjoy the show. Um, I was born in Venezuela um, and um, when I was 19 I decided to, to move to the US initially to uh, come and study and, and then I landed in this beautiful city with the most amazing energy and, and flavor and, and I said I'm, I'm never leaving. So what, what was Harvey Jr. like, right, growing up um, in, in, Harvey, in Caracas? Yeah, Caracas, and then I grew up in another city called uh, Puerto La Cruz, which is by the coast. Uh, Harvey, as a kid, was was uh, uh, a very interesting person, always thinking, always planning, always uh, desiring, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and always uh, looking for opportunity. That's that's really who um, I was, and and I think I, I continue to be. How did you like growing up in Venezuela? It was great. It was an incredible environment. Very very safe, uh, healthy, um, friendly, uh, with opportunities as well. Mm -hmm. Right, um, different country back then. Sure. Um, so I, I don't have anything negative. I think uh, you know. My life story when I come from very modest uh, beginning, so uh, a little bit of struggle, but sure. no, nothing too traumatic, mm -hmm. right? Right. It's part of 
for many of us and it, it, it ignites the fire oh yeah absolutely drive. absolutely gives you that drive it shows you appreciation mm -hmm. right and and for me that's everything and early mentors as a kid a few um a few i've always you know i have some family members that are mentors very very uh important figure in my life i have uh some people that i met and along the way and and i have this this guy that i met in uh in uh i want to say early 90s probably 1991 mm -hmm. that is the one that uh, uh, planted the seed in my mind about moving to miami okay Which, I, don't, I don't even know his name okay i met him for maybe five seven minutes in where, my life where at so so when i was 17 i had my first business wow and it was a computer uh, uh wholesale business buying computer parts here in the U.S., selling wow. them over there. Very specific when it comes to what type of product I was buying. And uh, and I had an office inside this, this really cool sort of chair office concept. Okay. And then one day I was going to, uh, to the kitchen and I meet this guy and he's like, Barbie, who are you? I see you running around every day. What do you do? So I said, um, I'm in, in the computer business, and, uh, and he goes, wow, you're only 17 years old, and you're doing all this stuff. Uh, you know, I wish you were in Miami, and that's where I live, and, uh, uh, and it's full of opportunity. I mean, somebody like you really can make it wow. over there. So it's like, wow, right? Yeah, that, open, that, opened up <clears> the... Uh... Open up that vision, that horizon for me. How did you start that business? I mean, 17, that's impressive. So tell me yeah, about that. Yeah, so um, I, I, my first job um, was a, in a computer uh, company when I was 16. Mm. I was going to the university. I graduated really, really young, high school. So I was going to university at night, and during the day I had this job. And, and this guy, my boss, had a... a computer import business mm -hmm. and I found it fascinating and and within a year I was just doing whatever he was doing but for myself mm -hmm. um, because I find it fascinating but also very doable mm -hmm. right and and that was it and and I remember that I think I had to somehow convince the bank to open a bank account for me because the legal age to have a bank a commercial bank account was 18 years old or right. 17 so uh, you know yeah sure it was interesting so it is interesting and so this chance encounter later than when you have your own business uh with this gentleman that inspires you motivates you to move here to miami so tell me about arriving here you mentioned at the top the energy and whatnot but tell me what it was like to arrive in the city for the first time well, uh, first of all, I'll never forget, uh, it was late June, 1992, I saw summertime, mm -hmm. and, and landing or something like 8.20 at night, and there was still daytime. <laughs> and I'm like, this is bizarre, you know, I mean, I've never seen this before. Yep. Uh, it should be pitch black, but instead it's like sunset. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, uh, at that particular point, I, I, I immediately thought, wow, this place is really, really special. 
and and then yeah and then uh, a beautiful journey started from that point so tell me about the journey so you you mentioned college was the excuse coming over here but you were also an entrepreneur at that point so how are you dividing your time or what was sort of like the main focus once you had moved here well the main focus was to trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do here, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I didn't have a lot of money, and my family didn't have a lot of money. So so I quickly realized that I wasn't able to go to college and, and, and afford college. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I have to get a job, right? Sure. So my first job was, uh, was in a restaurant, and I worked there for a year and a half, and it was a wonderful experience. Um, and, and then... From there, I started a series of jobs. Okay. I had a, a valet parking system. Mm -hmm. I mean, a, a business. I, I also started uh, buying cars wholesale and selling them. Okay. So I was always sort of hustling. Sure. So, Harvey, what first led you onto the real estate track? Yeah. So after all these smaller business ventures, I, I decided to go back to my computer wholesale roots. Mm -hmm. So when I was 22 years old, I, I restarted that business. Very, very small. Started in my spare bedroom in my townhouse that I was renting. And, uh, and in, in, it became a really large business. Uh, in five years, we took what it was, a space that it was 400 square feet into a 35,000, 40,000 wow. square feet facility and a, a bunch of employees and huge amount of revenue. So at that point, uh, in the year 2000, uh, we sold that business. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, it be I became basically uh, unemployed. Okay. Right, because I, I couldn't compete on that business for a number of uh, years. So I, I, I said, well, I need a new challenge. Right. And that challenge was uh, uh, the ideal challenge or that natural challenge was real estate mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the year 2000. So Harvey, tell me about that initial foray into real estate. Did you begin by buying and flipping properties or what was your, what was your approach? I basically started... Uh, doing exactly that, like buying a fourplex or uh, eight-unit apartment mm -hmm. building and renovated it and, and renting it and creating value and selling mm -hmm. that, that product in, in a year or two. And, and that, that became sort of my initiation to real estate development, sure. right? Um, and then it became something that I fell in love with. And, and, and I said, well, how about if instead of buying a... a property, renovating that property and, and either renting it or selling it, how about if I just build something? Mm -hmm. And and to be honest, I, I, I'm not an engineer, not an architect. I just um, knew that I had to uh, sort of uh, associate myself with the best talent out there. So I had friends that were architects, engineers, and, and attorneys. So we, we I put sort of a great team together and we uh, started our first development in the Gables area, and um, we our first project was called uh, Gablesville, okay, which was so cool because it's it was ADA units and old condos and and uh, it, it taught me so much. It's really really incredible experience. What was that like when 
you got the first sale on, on that in Gable's view. I, I will never forget. I think uh, uh, that was my first project. Uh, we we created um, uh, this very beautiful brochure, and um, and it was medium price, mm -hmm. right? Uh, medium range, and and somebody came in and said, "Yeah, we 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 love what you're doing." We saw the sign on the property, and we like to sign and, and give you a deposit. Uh, myself or my mother or whatever, something like that, some type of family members. And, and, and it was fascinating. It was really fascinating. It was a, the first time that I said, wow, how incredible that someone believes in you mm -hmm. to the extent that they decide to give you a check uh, 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 because they believe in what you're creating. Right. Really, really incredible experience. They were the first buyers, but they wouldn't be the last. More than 80 units sold and hundreds of hours of construction later, Gable's View became Harvey's first project to go from dream to concrete reality. It also paved the way for a new era for H&H development. So from there, we moved to others uh, in the same area of uh, Core Gables. We did Villa Calabria, we did Douglas Place, we did Mediterranean, then we moved to other neighborhoods. Um, we did Brickell Design District, Edgewater. Then we went to West Palm Beach. Uh, we did another one in the Gable. So, so yeah, we were all over the place. Uh, um, it, it became a, a very busy place at H and H Development. So, Harvey, it seems like things are moving along. From Gable's view, you got projects all over South Florida. Success after success, and then. The big failure that we all, the global community, at least the U.S. community feels, the 2008 financial crisis comes along. Yeah. Um, it definitely shook Miami real estate, but tell me about your experience going through that. Yeah, it, it was really a, a disaster, right, for anybody in my industry and, and other industries. Uh, I think it was the first time that we really um, experienced um, a setback. Mm -hmm. As, as a real estate company uh, and 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 it was something that we didn't see coming it was something that it was even more severe than what we thought it could be mm -hmm. uh, uh, at the beginning of it but it also taught us tremendous amount of lessons like what like how to be more conservative how to be more disciplined mm -hmm. how to uh, how to manage uh, things like leverage, how to manage the relationship between what you borrow and what um, and what you build all at the same time, how to um, um, how to be more uh, pay more attention as to reserves and cash reserves and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm, I'm a firm believer that every crisis is just a, a learning uh, opportunity right. and, and just an education as, a, as an entrepreneur. So um, yeah, um, I think it was overall uh, positive for us. As a matter of fact, after that crisis, um, what I did was to stay relevant in the industry, I went and I started buying a ton of foreclosures. Okay. Right? Uh, uh, we bought close to 600 properties in the courthouse over a year and a half. 
and and we were buying it for pennies of the dollar right and that allows us to not only um, have a business uh, not only uh, find opportunities but allows us to continue to have that pulse mm -hmm. in the in the industry mm -hmm. right understand where inventory levels were going uh, understand uh, where consumers were coming back or not. Mm -hmm. So um, at some point in late 2010, early 2011, I saw the levels of inventory of new product mm -hmm. uh, uh, really dropping dramatically and really, really fast. So I said, uh, there might be an opportunity to really launch uh, a product uh, that really would represent the new Miami. And what was that? So what did you do with that opportunity? So, so that was the beginning uh, uh, stages of Brickle House. Okay, Brickle House, which was, of course, that was delivered in 2014, right? Delivered in 2014. We launched uh, Brickle House sometime, I want to say, second quarter, third quarter, 2011. And were you, so were you the first project since uh, the recession? We we were one of the first ones, uh -huh. but certainly the biggest first project okay. after the recession. This was under the H&H flag or this was now NewGuard? No, that was now NewGuard because at that time in 2010, we said, okay, let's, if we're going to be 2.0 mm -hmm. as a development company uh, and apply all the learnings, right? Sure. From before, we also want to take the opportunity to have our development name represent what we we were. And and uh, after different iterations, we decided to rebrand the company as NewGuard, mm -hmm. which is really what it means is new avant-garde, uh, sort of a new uh, 2.0 uh, uh, type of uh, development strategy and approach to the business, and um, and and Brickle House was the first project under the develop uh, Newgard Development Group uh, umbrella. And I think uh, the avant-garde name was fitting, right? Because there was many. You were the first uh, with Brickle House. You you came up with the idea of incorporating the automatic parking garages. Yes. Well, we did so many things, Brickle House. Not only uh, a huge amount of automation, huge amount of innovation design, uh, huge amount of, of elevation as far as quality and design mm -hmm. uh, uh, that Miami didn't have. Uh, like for example, the first one to have restaurants open to the lobby and and being part of of a lifestyle. Interesting. Almost similar to um, similar to what you will find in hotels, okay. <clears throat> hospitality. In addition to that, the first ones to have a building that it was diagonal to the view so that you have double views uh, uh, without having a big pedestal of parking, super ugly uh, uh, for the first 10 floors. So, and, and, and in order to achieve that, we we brought uh, the first and biggest automated parking garage to Brickle House, which was very innovative back in 2011. Of course. And we were able to bring uh, a deposit structure that it was also very innovative. Um, I mean, on that particular project, we were getting deposits of 70%. Wow. I said, I'm going to prove 
in this market that people will pay up for uh, the best, right? Mm -hmm. And the newest. Mm -hmm. And we, in six months, we sold out 300 and, uh, 384 units. Wow. So Miami was back and you proved Miami it Miami was back. Where, where did you go on from? So what's next after Brickle House? So after Brickle House, we then went to an incredible project called Centro uh -huh. uh, in downtown Miami. The first ever uh, con uh, a project to be uh, designed, built, and delivered without one parking space. So you go from <laughs> automating and innovating parking to no parking at all. What was the thought process? On uh, so... I've always been fascinated with parking mm -hmm. uh, and how we use parking and how we deal with parking in, in development. So um, I went to the city of Miami and I said, guys, I really think you should allow me to build this building, 352 units in an incredible location in, in downtown with no parking and, and allow my buyers to really take advantage of all this parking infrastructure that exists surrounding my site for for them to to park as opposed to me having to build parking and 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 adding supply to a market that is oversupplied with existing empty parking garages so did they see the business argument or did they think you were crazy there you said i, I, I think parking. at the beginning they thought i was a little crazy right <laughs> but but i have to give them credit that they they understood what we we're sure. saying and and this allowed us the opportunity to pass on the savings of not building the parking garage into our buyers and how did the how did the market respond how what did the buyers well we sold out in a year it was really wow. really incredible and, uh, and, and and people got it, and our buyers got it, the city got it, the, 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 the users got it, and, and it's a beautiful building. I want to say one of the most uh, interesting looking buildings in downtown. Well, and, and it is, it's beautiful. And I think it downtown supports some of what we're going to talk about in a little bit is, you know, that you can have the building without the parking. Of course, there's surrounding parking, but downtown in Brickell has evolved into this area where you don't really need they don't have to have a car. You don't. Right, need but this is cars. but this is almost eight nine years ago. Yeah. So Uber was just adding. Wow. So you you saw the writing uh, sort of on the wall. There, Absolutely. I and 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 I said, guys, let's let's you always try new things, right? Mm -hmm. So that's has always been our our mantra. So Harvey, you go from automating and innovating parking. Uh, at Brickle House to delivering the first building without parking at Centro. What, where do you go from there? It was, uh, so we developed uh, a few more buildings after that. One of them in particular is called Gale Residences. Yeah. In, in Fort Lauderdale, uh, across from the beach. And in Gale Residences, we did something really, really special, which was never done in South Florida. And, and, and we said, you know, why are we limiting why, what our buyers can do with their asset? Why are we developers telling our buyers what to do? So why don't you just leave it open, let our buyers do whatever they want to do with their asset, whether it's using it as a primary residence or, um, or letting them uh, sublease it, right? In the nightly rental space with Airbnb and so forth, or let them rent it yearly, 
or, or allow them to keep it empty. Why? It doesn't really matter. Who are we to be dictating rules, right? So, so that became a thing, mm. meaning we had 129 units. We, we could have sold 200 more units, right? It became so popular, the fact that we were creating product that represented a flexible ownership product. It was another <clears> light bulb. <throat> moment there absolutely the that that has been one of the major light bulbs for us because it really uh allows us to understand that there was a market mm -hmm. allows us to understand that this is people who wanted a product like this mm -hmm. and uh and then it led to other things that we became needle in the multifamily space and nativo lofty today so talk to me a little bit about the nativo concept because this was one of your you made huge headlines there when when you launched a TiVo and the first building fully licensed uh, designed and built for home sharing so a few years ago one of say four years ago I I approached Airbnb and I said guys I, I really would like to take home sharing mainstream and and what I meant with that was I really want to create buildings that are uh, purposely designed, purposely built, and licensed to be chaired. And, and these buildings will have services, and these buildings will have, will have uh, sort of uh, infrastructure built in, as well as technology, to make it easy mm -hmm. for the owners. And they love the idea. We developed Nativo together. They were instrumental in the development of the brand. And uh, um, we now have two Nativos launched, both of them sold out, one in Austin, Texas, Nativo Miami as well, which is 100% sold out and under construction, and then launching Dallas, Nashville, uh, Denver, uh, in the next few quarters. Wow. So, so really cool product. Um, uh, it's the type of product that it was created almost like for ourselves, mm -hmm. right? I always wanted to own uh, uh, an apartment or a place in every major city that I enjoy visiting, but never was able to justify owning it just to, to spend two or three or five or six weeks, and sure. then the rest of the time will sit there empty. And, and, and I always... And I would say, listen, if you don't find what you want, you have to build it or create it. And that's what we done with Nativo. And, and it turns out there is a lot of people that want exactly what we want. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's, it's very, very exciting. And then from Nativo, we learned that there was another segment, a higher end segment of the same type of, uh, the same uh, way of thinking of our of our clientele that wanted something more luxury, and that has uh, uh, allows us to create our second Nativo brand called Lofty. That uh, that we are launching uh, right. Uh, right now in our home city of Miami, uh, which is uh, so special for us, and, uh, and and it's beautiful, a beautiful product. How is it similar and how is it different to Nativo? <clears throat> So similar because it's the same business model. It's just, it represents the same uh, a flexible ownership model for our buyers. Uh -huh. uh, how is it different? It's different because it has more services. 
is more elevated when it comes to design, more elevated when it comes to furnishings, uh, and, and in locations that are uh, uh, second to none. That I, I think it, it, you couldn't pick a better place to have a product like Lofty here in the heart of the action. Yeah. Where the restaurants and shopping and everything is out. So, so we have been big believers of Brickle, right? Uh, we built a product called Solaris back in 2004. Brickle was a ghost town. And, and it took us a while to sell. I mean, it was like difficult to convince people that Brickle would become what it is today. Mm -hmm. uh, now, uh, everybody and their friends and their family, they just want to be in Brickle. Why? Because it's the center of the action. Mm -hmm. It's the pulse of Miami. It's, it's that place where the best restaurants are opening best shopping, the best walkability, the best uh, office buildings, uh, the best uh, energy is located. And, uh, and when you take that and add the waterfront, which is what we have in Lofty, second to none, mm -hmm. right? So when you have the marina component, the walkability, the product, which is incredible, the views and, and, uh, and, the, and the business model, it's just incredible product. I have no doubt it's it's going to sell out. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, we're talking here with Harvey Hernandez here on the Miami Real Estate Podcast. In our new profile series here, we're really getting inside the minds of the dreamers, entrepreneurs, and the visionaries that are shaping the city in special ways. Harvey, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I know we're, we're running short on time, so I'm going to wind it down with a couple um, couple fastball questions, right? Oh, okay. Just to, you know, just to get in the mind. So. What is where? Where do you see Harvey in five, ten years? What's gonna? What's on the horizon for him? Um, so I don't think in ten years, probably five. Uh -huh. um, we want to continue to reshape how people live and how people own real estate. Uh, that is continues to be our mission. Mission. It will be our mission for for years to come. Uh, we we continue to pivot as a company every single year and and no pivot in, in the sense of changing business uh, model it's just how we conduct business how we design how we choose our uh, locations and and how we choose our interior designers and our partners uh, because um, we have a huge responsibility right we we we're responsible for providing the product that we think people will want. And, and that's something that is, uh, we're very passionate about and that's something that we take very, very seriously. So, What do you say to developers out there, uh, future would-be developers, right? Because it's a, it's a big job. It's a lot of responsibility, yeah. a lot of pressure. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who was thinking about getting into that uh, professionally? That's a great question. So the first thing will be you have to love what you do, right? If you don't love the creation, if you don't love the every single detail of the process, this is not for you. But if you do, uh, then ask a ton of questions, listen to everyone, and and uh, and and just. Associate yourself with somebody that you can just, it doesn't matter if you don't get paid, 
that you can just be a fly on the wall in these meetings, right? And and in uh, design meetings and meetings with the city and meeting with with the attorneys and the architects because it's it's a journey, right? Being a developer is is uh, is such a complete profession. You have to know so much of everything from design to construction to legal to finances to um, to marketing is is really really incredible. So that's what I will recommend. Which professional accomplishment are you most proud of? I'm very proud to to be part of of the skyline, right? I'm I'm very proud every time that I come back to the city and I'm. Uh, the plane is landing and I see our buildings, right? I'm, I'm very proud of that. I think I'm also very proud of, of the people that we have that, have that have helped us in this process and seeing them also grow into other uh, dimensions. Um, I think I'm very proud of, of always uh, having the energy to, to try new things and not being afraid of failure because we have tried things and that have no worked and, and and it's such such as life and, and business but uh, but yeah I want to say that that uh, and the best is yet to come because we have great plans for the city and great plans for the product and taking it to other cities in the US so. how do you clear your mind as a developer Somebody, you're always coming up with these new ideas, new, you know, you're, you're always on, but what do you do when you have to shut off? So I, I tend to travel a lot. I tend to escape the, the day to day and that helps me as well as I tend to just go on the water, right? One of the reasons why we live in Miami is because I can, at the end of the afternoon, just jump on a boat and, and go for a swim. That is, uh, uh, there isn't the biggest chill pill for me than that. I like that. And a final question for you. So Harvey Hernandez, what do you want the world to know about you? How do you want to be remembered? What do you want your biggest impact to be when it's all said and done? Uh, listen, I, I just want to do my thing and, and I just want to innovate, right? I want to innovate for the benefit of, of all of us, right? And, and, and at the end of the day, if, if, if we can do that and, and, and do it really well and, and get some recognition, fine. But I just, uh, at the end of the day, I just want to, innovation is what makes me happy. Um, I want my family, my kids, right, to learn from that and, and, and understand that innovation is, is crucial for their lives, for everybody's life. And... Uh, Hopefully that, that will be some of, some of the legacy. I love it. Well, Harvey, we're going to leave it there because I know you got to go, but it's been a pleasure talking Thank to you, you and best of wishes to you and the team and the project and Thank this and, and future endeavors. For those of you out there, hope you enjoyed it. Um, this was a new take, a new series. So let us know in the comments and in the reviews what you thought, uh, who you want to hear us speak to next and uh, reach out to Harvey. Let him know what you thought. So you. Um, if you're enjoying the content, make sure to subscribe. And uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, in the meantime, remember that here in Miami, the future is always bright. Take care, folks. Thank you.